with his word. Let's say this together. It'll be on the screen if you're visiting. Together, the word of God is truth. If I live the word, I will be blessed. If I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. Turn your neighbor and say, now I know you can get this. Hallelujah. <laughs> you can be seated. <laughs> Hallelujah. God is good. We are starting a new series today. And um, I don't know, I, it, it dates me, but, you know, I was just thinking on Friday, Friday the 22nd, I was saved 40 years ago, Friday the 22nd. I thank God that I am saved. Amen. <laughs> now, 40 years is a long time. You know, I know I only look like I'm 40 right now, but 40 years ago, <laughs> I received Jesus. And uh, not until I had made a big mess out of my life. Uh, you know, I did all right till I was 18. And then, you know, as soon as I was turned loose, uh, you know, and I, I made some mistakes, but God in his mercy, everybody say mercy, because he's a good God, because he loves people. He created people to love them and to nurture them and have them become everything he called them to be. Because of that, he made a way of escape for me from what the enemy meant against my life. God turned it and used it all for good in my life. Now, it was a process. You know, we go from glory to glory. Everybody say glory to glory. <laughs> we go from faith to faith. Uh, on Wednesday nights, we're going to be teaching here uh, for the month of February. It'll be more like you're going to a Bible school class. Uh, the Bible says that we need to learn line upon line, precept upon precept. And I believe the Holy Spirit's been speaking to me that we need to, in this church, increase our understanding of the truths of the word of God and go back to basics. Everybody say, go back to basics. You know, when you're training a basketball team or you're training any, any team of people to do something, oftentimes the very first thing they do is go back to the basics. And I told my husband one day, there's no reason for anybody to miss a free throw because if they just practice shooting free throws, you know, nobody jumps in your face. Nobody's distracting you. You do that often enough. You're going to hit every one of those free throws. You might miss one or two here and there. But how many of you know basketball games sometimes depend on how many free throws there were and, and who, who made all those free throws? Well, God wants us to make every basket. He wants us to be everything that he's called us to be. But I want to tell you today, he wants you to believe something good is going to happen to you. Everybody say that. Something good is going to happen to me. Now point to your neighbor and say, and to you too. <laughs> you know, I grew up uh, with a grandma who loved me. I believe I'm doing what I do today because she prayed for me. But she would, we were not uh, the best always to my parents, especially my mom. How many of you teenagers can recognize sometimes your words aren't what they ought to be or even young people toward your parents? And, uh, and so she used to say to us girls, God is going to get you girls for the way you talk to your mother. And uh, I just, you know, I just saw God with a big club, you know, just ready to get me because I did a lot of things. I said a lot of things I shouldn't. And so God, my image of God was not that he, something good was going to happen to me. Uh, in fact, I didn't hear a lot of people talk about how the good things were God was going to do for me. I heard more of don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, or this is going to happen to you. How many of you know, if we do the wrong thing, there will be consequences. But how many of you are encouraged to do the right thing by somebody speaking good? Everybody say good. And so those good words and those good things that God thinks about us, that his word says about us, those are the things that he wants us to meditate on. And uh, I believe that this is a year. Uh, Acts 1038 is a, a scripture we're going to look at today to begin this series. Actually, we're going to look at 36 through 38. Paul 
is talking to Cornelius. It's in the book of Acts. Um, and he's, he's uh, telling them who God is and, and what God has done through Jesus. And, uh, you know, they're not, they're not Jews. Uh, it's God giving what the Jews had to uh, Cornelius and the people that he that he was from. So, it, you know, in, in all of the Gospels, the word was given to the Jews. But now Paul was called to give it to the Gentiles and to the rest of the world. So something good is going to happen to these people, and they're going to receive everything that the Jewish people had, which is a new thought. Everybody say a new thought. So in this verse, he says, the word which God sent to the children of Israel, in other words, what they have, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, Christ, he is Lord of all. It's that word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began with from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing went about doing good and healing how many? All who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So what Paul's doing is uh, relating to them who God is, who Jesus was. And in the end of that story, they all receive Jesus and they are filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, that was not the normal. That was not because really the Jewish people were to have everything God had and they were the only people. Everybody say, thank God for Jesus because something good is going to happen to me today. There was a song that Brother Roberts, uh, years ago when I was first saved, um, his ministry, I would watch on television and, and they would sing this song, something good is going to happen to you this very day, this very day. And uh, because Jesus of Nazareth is passing your way. And uh, I don't think that's changed. But we, we sometimes uh, focus, I know I do, sometimes I focus on all the things that are going around, around, on around me that, you know, they need to be changed, they need to be fixed. And, and sometimes what we see with our eyes in the natural realm is so overwhelming that we're not looking for something good. You know, we're, we're looking to what we're going to do if something bad happens. Are you getting this? We're preparing ourselves for what could happen that's bad when God wants us to begin to see something good's going to happen. You know, my Bible says he works all things together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. It says in Romans 12, 21, overcome evil with good. So if this world, the evil is expanding, then what needs to come from the body of Christ? Good. Everybody say good. So, because it says in Romans chapter 2, the goodness of God leads people to repent. You know, I can remember when my life was in a shambles and I got saved 40 years ago. A, a lady that I'd gone to school with um, invited me to her house, said, um, I think I have an answer for you. Now, I was, I was the church choir director. I played the organ in the church. I, I was a churched person. But that day... I received Jesus, and I want to tell you, something happened in my life. Something good happened to me that day. 
I wasn't expecting it, didn't even know what I had. But God began to reveal himself to me in my life. So for the last 40 years, something good has been happening in my life. Turn to your neighbor and say, and it's happened in yours. Now, you may not recognize it. You may not recognize it fully. Maybe some things you do. But everything in your life, God is every day wanting to do something good for you. And, uh, you know, Psalm 91, 16 says, with long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Psalm 103, 5 says, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. That's one of my favorites right now. You know, if you can add up, you know, I'm, if I've been saved 40 years, I'm more than 40. And so, you know, I need my youth restored. Everybody say restored. And uh, my sister used to, uh, after I got saved, uh, people would come over Pastor Chris over in the children's area, and she'd say, listen, you wouldn't even have known my sister before she got Jesus. Let me show these awful pictures of her, of how she looked before she got a hold of Jesus. And she drags out all these old photos of me where I look like, you know, I'm a mess, which I was. And, uh, but she just wants to prove to him what God can do. Amen. And, uh, but God has restored my youth. I'm, I'm stronger now than I was when I was 26 and ended up divorced with three kids. I'm stronger now than I was when God saved me at 30 because between 26 and 30, I was married again, divorced again, and all messed up. Everybody say all messed up. I didn't have any hope for my life. I I couldn't see anything. But when God began to work in my life, my perception changed. My, my perspective on life began to change. Now, it wasn't overnight. It didn't happen like, oh, good, everything's fine. Because the day I got saved, as soon as I prayed that prayer, things were still the same. Nothing had changed in the natural. It's just that something began to grow on the inside of me. And it was a perception of what God saw, not what I saw, because of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say the Holy Spirit. See, that Holy Spirit, see, God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost, it says. And then he went about doing good. When you receive Christ and the Holy Spirit comes, then that goodness of God becomes can become, if you'll allow it, a revelation in your life that God loves you. He has good things planned for your life. Now, you may be in a situation right now where you say, well, there's not a whole lot of good going on. Well, that doesn't mean what's going to go on down the road. And so God has a plan and he will get you there if you recognize there's there's more to this than where I've gotten myself. How many of you ever gotten yourself in a mess? A few of you. Yeah. And so when we get in those messes, uh, we need a deliverer. Jesus is a deliverer. And, and we make, we, you know, we're human. Sometimes our emotions get ahead of us and we make decisions we shouldn't be making. Uh, in Ephesians 1, 17 and 18, this was a scripture that God had me say over my life uh, back in the day when I was really a mess. And um, right after I got saved, uh, God really did some wonderful things, and I'm going to share a little bit about it this morning, but it says, um, it's chapter 1, verse 17 and 18. Could you put that up on the screen? That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. If you don't understand who God is, you will never know who you are. Could I say that again? If you do not understand who God is, you will never know who you are because you're made in his image. 
and you're made to be like him. And then it says in verse 18, the eyes of your understanding, everybody say eyes, eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. You know, I had an interesting thing happen to me. Um, I had to call about my mother's insurance and I got a hold of a young lady in the Philippines. And uh, how many of you know, when you call your local insurance company, you end up talking to somebody in the Philippines about it who hasn't ever been to America, who knows nothing. But uh, when I was in Philippines in August, uh, across the street was a big building that said Visa uh, a big building, MasterCard, a big building, you know, all these things. And the girl told me, oh, those are all the call centers for the companies in the United States. So I said to this little girl, I said, uh, are, are you, where are you? She said, I, in the Philippines. I said, oh, I was just there in August. You were? I go, yes. I don't imagine they get that a lot. And so she said, why were you here? Well, I got to tell her I was there uh, to do missions work and was in a church and all this. And she said, do you believe in the saints? Everybody say, we are the saints. Did I just read that? That your eyes, you know, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? We are the saints. And I said, "Uh, do you mean St. Peter, St. Paul, St. all those saints? I said, are you Catholic? Yes. I said, oh, I said, well, just so long as you know, Jesus, do you know Jesus? Oh yes, I know Jesus. I talked to Jesus. I said, well, you're all right, girl. And so anyway, we, we are this, you have to understand who you are. Everybody say, understand who you are. But if you don't know God is good, then you're not going to expect good. You're going to expect, and just think about this for a minute. When you wake up every day, everybody say every day, I hope I wake up. If you don't wake up, you get to see Jesus, so it isn't all bad. But you, when you wake up, you get a chance to begin to think. How many of you know that? Sometimes you wake up thinking, I've had that happen. And sometimes it's good things, sometimes it's not good things. But once you believe those bad things, how many of you know it's not a good day? It just escalates. I got this. This is my daily devotional for this year. And it's Joel Osteen. And uh, it says, your best life begins each morning. Now, how many of you think that when you wake up? How many of you thought that this morning? Oh, gosh, I get to go to church. Hallelujah. Praise God. We're going to worship. I can't wait to get there. I'm sure you all felt like that. But some of you might have woke up and thought, oh, should I go or shouldn't I? It's Sunday. I work all week. I think I deserve a morning off. Aren't you glad God doesn't take a morning off? Amen. Uh, and, and that's not to condemn, but I'm just saying your best life begins each morning, not at four in the afternoon, not when you get to the bar at night. It begins in the morning. Everybody say in the morning. It's not, not when you do what you think is going to make you feel good. It's when you wake up and remember who you are. You know, this is going to be the best day I ever had. Annabelle, every day at school, they're just waiting for you to show up. They probably are. They're just waiting for you to show up. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) That's my granddaughter. Uh, You know, they ought to to say, oh, oh, you know, there there they come, those ones that encourage me. I mean, those ones that are expecting God to show up in their life just any minute. How many think somebody might want to hang out with you if that's the way you felt every day? Just don't get too close. There's so many good things happening to me. You might catch one. (laughs) Hallelujah. That's the way God wants you to wake up. Well, you know, I felt like God was saying to me, you know, Pam, uh, you need to start thinking about that again. 
when, when I saw that on television and they would begin to sing, something good is going to happen to you. It was like something on the inside of me. I get goosebumps when those, it was Richard Roberts back then and his wife, Patty. And they would begin to sing that, all those singers would sing it. And, you know, it was just like Jesus came right where I was. I was so excited that uh, one day they, I got a thing in the mail that said, if you just send like $7.77, increments of sevens. I can't remember exactly what I sent, but it was like, it was sevens. I don't know if I even jumped out and sent 77, 77, but I did it. Do you know God got a hold of my heart that day? I believe he did. Because from then on, uh, God directed me through that life that I ended up in. He directed me even to Oral Roberts University. And it was just a television program to me. I mean, I'm just in Lafayette. You know, I'm divorced. I have three kids. I'm a Looney Tune, really. <laughs> That's the best I can describe it. And my family thought I was really one step away from, you know, falling in the... They thought I already fell in the ditch, maybe one step from going further in the ditch. And uh, my mom's back there. She can remember those days. My sister, Chris, if she was here, would be shouting amen. Um, <laughs> But it was a bad time in my life, and I couldn't see anything. I could not see anything, except I can't do this. How many of you ever have ever met him on that edge? <laughs> okay, that I can't do this. But God said, yes, you can. Something inside, once I got saved, made me think maybe I could, but I didn't even know what it was I was supposed to do. Maybe that's where you are today. Well, I was reading in Joel Osteen's Daily Devotional, and uh, if you want to watch 7 o'clock every morning right now, he's on TBN talking about hope. You know, he does those big hope seminars and coliseums. Uh, that man, God has raised up to encourage the body of Christ and encourage the world that God is good. Basically, that's it. Uh, his dad was a lot like that. His church originally was called the Oasis of Love. And, uh, and he, he was a powerful man, Joel, Joel's dad, John. And uh, I heard him say the other day, you know, my dad ministered to people his whole life. And he said he always was going to build a big building to hold 20,000 people. He said, now my dad never got to build that building. But because I'm his son, his spiritual blessings have caught up with me. And now... He said, my daddy has a 20,000-seat compact center. It's because of what he did way back there. Those spiritual blessings caught up with me. And immediately God said to me, you know, everybody's always talking about the generational curse. Why don't you talk about the generational blessing? Everybody say, woohoo. <laughs> if you don't have one behind you, start being one for who's coming next. Amen? Because we are the body of Christ. I want my kids to have spiritual blessings. I want her to have spiritual blessings. I pray over her that she will be a blessing because she's my seed. Listen, uh, you know, the price that I paid, I may never see the results of it, but my children will and my grandchildren will because God is a God who blesses and something good. It's about to happen to you. Yes. Amen? Or we wouldn't be doing this series. Say, yippee, hallelujah. <laughs> now, get your vision up. This is, everybody say perception. perception. Now, perception, this is perception. The way you think about or understand something or someone. 
See, this is the way you think about God, the way you think about who he is, the way you think about who you are. Perspective is the capacity to view things in their true relation or relative importance. Now, it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 16, would you put that up? Because I'm going to share that before I share this scripture, um, that th- there's two worlds, temporal and eternal. David spoke of it in your giving, the kingdom of the earth, the kingdom of heaven. One's eternal. Everybody say eternal. That means it's forever. It's not going to change. It's been settled by God. It's established. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. It's a line upon line, precept upon precept. For our light affliction, I know you don't think it is, but you know, God views things differently, which is, but for a moment, he views that differently for sure, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Then it goes on in the very last, while we do not look at things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. What is that? The eternal for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Everybody say, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, just think about what you're going through right now. Aren't you glad it's temporary? Amen. But, but you're living it as an eternal being, but you won't live it that way unless you see it that way. You have to see it that way. And the reason I put eyeballs in the slide about this series in the good, I put eyeballs in there because it's got to do with your perception, what you see. You will never have something good happen unless you're looking for it. And, but there's something good going to happen to you today. And if you have your eyeballs open, your spiritual eyeballs focused right, you're going to see it. You are going to get to see God be good. I got to see God be so good today, David. Because, you know, God's always told me, when you hear me, just do it. And so, poor David, I was at the car filling up my gas. And David was over in the other thing filling up the gas for the vans. He fills up the vans every week so that you can ride on them, have gasoline to get to where you're going. And so he was filling those up. And I got out of my car to fill up mine. And and I saw him. I knew he saw my car and he didn't see me. And so I waved, you know, let him know I'm there. And and then instantly I heard, have David do the offering tomorrow. (laughs) I thought, well, now that'll be a new thing. If I, you know, so I just got back in my car. David got over here before me. He's in his car and I go over and I bang on in the window. I said, hey, David. Oh, pastor, how are you? I go, yeah, I need you to do the offering tomorrow. Second service. He goes, okay. <laughs> right answer. Hallelujah. Instant in season. Now, how many of you think God spoke through that offering this morning? Amen. See, give God the glory. Something good's going to happen to you. You know, now, just like he said, he thought, oh, that's no problem till he started, got home and thought about, (laughs) see, you know, you can think it's no problem, but God wants to speak through you. So then he had to hear what God wanted to say. So something good could happen to you today. That was a good word. If you don't remember anything else today, start swimming. Remember that. Okay. (laughs) Start swimming because it's important. If you haven't learned to be a giver, you're not going to be one when we get to where we need to be one. Amen. It's just truth. It's the word of God. I thought it was great, David. Thank you. Uh, The king of kings. I no eye has seen this first Corinthians two nine. No eye has seen, no ears heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Can I see the hands of those who love God? Okay. 
So you haven't seen it maybe yet. You haven't heard it yet. You haven't even been able to see it in your heart. But where you are right now, listen to this. Years ago, a famous golfer accepted an invitation from the king of Saudi Arabia to play golf together for several days. After enjoying their time together, the king asked the golfer what he wanted as a gift. Anything you want, the king said. The king insisted that he must be given something. So the golfer finally gave in and said, okay, fine. I collect golf clubs. Why don't you give me a golf club? Weeks went by, and the golfer imagined possibly receiving a solid gold putter. <laughs> How many of you know kings have lots of money? And a, or a diamond-studded sand wedge. Now, for those of you that play golf, that's an important one of those clubs, those tools in your bag. I've played a little. It wouldn't help how many studs it had on it. I'd still not hit the green with it. But diamond studded sandwich from the oil-rich king until a certain certified letter arrived. He discovered a deed to a 500-acre golf course. That's a pretty big golf club. He owned the whole thing. Not just the bag full. He got the whole club. 500-acre golf club, a golf course in America. That was a little different than what his perception was or his perspective was. But the king of kings has big perception. Sometimes kings think differently than you and I think. A friend, we serve the king of kings. And friend, we serve the king of kings. Dream accordingly. Amen? Everybody say, dream big. Dream. Hallelujah. Well, you may not need a golf course, but... What you may be thinking you need, Dan wants one. I could <laughs> we'll take one. Hallelujah. People will come pay to do that. And then we can take that money and give it to missions. Amen. Come on, church. Hallelujah. We're supposed to be wise people, you know. And so God is in the midst of creating great things in the earth. And he's looking for people who will believe for great things. But then your perception has to be greater than what you see. I just heard uh, Matthew... Uh, what's the pastor down? Uh, pastor Hagee's son, Matthew, Matthew Hagee. And, you know, his dad is preaching. Jesus, you know, Jesus could come any second. Uh, and he could. But Matthew preached a sermon, Do We Dare to Dream? In other words, do we just stop dreaming? Well, no, we don't stop dreaming. There are big things still going to happen. Jesus is coming soon, but I don't know what soon is. I don't know what a moment of light affliction looks like, but, you know, this past, uh, this past couple of weeks, I, I woke up one day and I was riding in my car and something felt funny on my back. And uh, long story short, it turned out to be shingles. Oh, that is awful stuff. And uh, I thought, well, dear Jesus, I'm not having this. You know, I told the doctor when he said, that's shingles. I said, no, I'm not having that. And he said, well, <laughs> he knows me, so he just laughed. But. He gave me a paper. It's got all this stuff that it could do to me. It's not doing any of that stuff to me. And uh, now I did have to rest a little bit, and I had to be wise in the decisions that I made. But, you know, the devil wants to distract us. I'm preaching and preparing to preach something good is going to happen to you. I've got the shingles. <laughs> Whoop-de-doo. <laughs> now, listen, those don't go together, folks. But I'll be dipped, as my daddy would say, if I am going to let that stop me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, I may have to go home and sleep all the rest of the day, but I am here right now. Hallelujah. 
and God is with me because he wants us to start looking for something good. We are going to get that building. We, are, we have that building. Now, somebody's going to wake up one day and we're going to possess it in the natural, but we already have it by the spirit. Amen. You know, I saw this scripture and I just want to share it with you because I'm going to tell you something. You may not like the rest of this. Hebrews 13, 17. I, I, God spoke to me about this, this just this the other day. And I thought, oh, my goodness, I'm going to have to share this. Um, obey those who rule over you. That means like your pastor or whoever. And be submissive for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief for that would be unprofitable for you. And I thought, well, you know, I don't want to tell the people that. I mean, that's like bossing them. I, you, they can do whatever. You need to be led by God. But you do need to listen to what comes forth from this pulpit, whether it's David, myself, or anybody else, because God is speaking to you. Now, you can spit it out. You can take it in. You can do whatever you want to with it. But... You know, we are accountable. That's the part that really got me. I'm accountable for y'all. Yeah. You better straighten up and get this thing right. Because <laughs> I don't want to go to heaven and have to answer for your stupid stuff. <laughs> or I'll have enough to answer for for myself. Thank you very much. So, you know, but what, what, that, what, it, what just stuck to me was God said to me, you're responsible for their spiritual health. Well, okay, now I'll take responsibility because when I went to the doctor and I told him I don't want that, he said, well, that's what you have. So here you need to take this pill because we don't want it to last longer than it should. Well, I took those pills because I'll, I'll fight this with whatever I have to fight it with. I'll fight it with the word. I'll fight it with whatever they give me to fight it with as long as I have a peace in my heart. You need to take the word. And you need to use it so that the good things, everybody say good things. The good things of God, are, the Bible says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Yeah, it says in Deuteronomy 28 that if you obey the commands of the Lord, that, uh, that, that oh, it's, it's really good. I'm going to read it to you. Hallelujah. Because you need to hear it. Everybody say, I love the word. That's why I'm praying for the church. They got to love the word. We're getting into a critical place. You have to love the word or you're not going to know what even God's perspective is. This is, um, what is it, Dan? 28? Yeah. 28. It says, it shall come to pass. Everybody say, God said it. If you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commands, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you on high above all nations. And all these blessings, everybody say blessings, blessings. shall come upon you and over. Everybody, you wake up every morning. I am, I'm, I'm going to be overtaken by blessings today. Look out, Nellie. I mean, I am blessed. I am one blessed person. Amen. And then you get the shingles. Do you say, oh, dear God, what did I do? Oh, I don't know. Oh, help me, Jesus. No, you say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. And whatever this is, is trying to get on me, doesn't belong to me, and it's going to go in Jesus' name. And meanwhile, I'm pressing on to what God told me to do. Are you there? Now, my husband did something to tell you. It makes you grumpy. <laughs> it did make me a little grumpy at times. Hallelujah. Because when you're fighting pain... You know, and I'm not taking that stuff that puts you out in Never Neverland. When you're fighting pain, sometimes you get a little tense. And Pastor Bill, you know how wonderful he is. He doesn't tease you or anything. He doesn't ever say anything to make me get tense. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise Jesus. 
it says in 1 Corinthians 2 that eye has not seen nor ear heard the things that God has prepared for them that love him. But it goes on and says, but the Holy Spirit of God will show you. Everybody say, thank God for the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to tell you this real quick. Uh, Discipline. Everybody say discipline is the answer. Is the answer to seeing something good happen to you. You have to make yourself do what's right. And what's right is whatever God says. You know, years ago, um, when my kids were about, Lori was five and seven, they were five, seven, and nine. I was just a wreck. I, I was on Valium. It didn't even work. That's how bad I was. Valium wouldn't even help me. And uh, I, I couldn't sleep. I was always upset. I was fearful. And God made a way for me to take my three kids by myself and move to Tulsa knowing one person. Does that sound like a, a God thing? Okay, she's a Looney Tune. We're going to ship her off to Oklahoma with three kids by herself. But I went to work at All Roberts University where something good is going to happen to me. And it did. And it did. But I had to pack up that semi. Beacons Truck Company. They rolled up. I loaded up. We had Valentine's Day a little early, and we trucked right on to Tulsa, me and my three kids. They had a screwball mom. My one worry was somebody's going to take them from me. I don't don't know why I worried about that. Some days I wanted somebody to take them from me. (laughs) But... It it scared me. It scared me because I knew the shape I was in. But when I got to ORU and I sat down in that office by myself where nobody else was, just me, because they had just started the medical school. None of the professors were in there yet. I was by myself. Uh, You know, God said to me, I'm here. I'm in this building. Brother Roberts gave me this to train up people, and I'm here. I'll be with you. This is God speaking to me. I did it change how loony I was, not at the moment, but I began to talk to God. And do you know who showed up? Joel Osteen's brother. And he began to bring me tapes from his dad, John Osteen. Now this, I believe, was my little 7-7 seven, seven seed I sowed. Yeah. Truly. God thought about me. Pam in Lafayette, Indiana, and he came for me. He came for me. I, when I think about it, I just get overwhelmed because it's like, you want me to do what? I mean, that's how I felt, but I thought, this is for sure God, because I would never think about going to Tulsa, Oklahoma, especially with three kids, with no money. No money. Four sixty-eight ninety-eight dollars an hour, I think I made. Uh, people brought me groceries to survive. I mean, I'm out there by myself, but I knew God put me there. And I worked at ORU for a year. And Paul, or he, he would bring me these tapes, Paul Osteen. I saw him on TV the other day when I was watching Joel, and they showed him. And you know, my heart just goes out to that man. He brought me his dad's tapes, and I listened to him, the oasis of love, and God healed my life in a year. There wasn't anybody else talking to me, just John Osteen and the love of God and reading my Bible every night. And, uh, and forever I was changed. Forever. And then God brought me back, gave me the handsome guy on the front row over here. We got married, went straight back to Oklahoma. <laughs> now, now they do think I'm nuts. Everybody thinks we're nuts. <laughs> but we go out there, and look what God did. Ended up helping Pastor Billy Joe 
at Oral Roberts University working. I remember Brother Roberts coming behind the curtain saying to me, darling, what are you doing? And I couldn't even talk. <laughs> you know, I just was so overwhelmed. There's Brother, Brother Roberts talking to me, a little old girl from Lafayette, Indiana, not in a fruitcake when I got there. <laughs> but I went to chapel and I believed everything God told me. I did exactly what he said. At one point, I hardly had any money, and I always tithed. And he said, I said, Lord, I'm running out of money. I need help. I, I, and there's nobody. I mean, I need help. And he said, well, in my Bible reading, this is, it was God speaking to me. Give two-fifths to Pharaoh. You can read it, Genesis 40. And then in Luke 3, be content with your wages. I thought, well, this is getting worse by the minute. Now i got to give two-tenths. How's this going to work out? He said, you give it, and I will double what you get. And all you're doing is still tithing, but you won't get it from work. Somehow people just start giving me money. Everybody say, God is good. And what he sees for your future is a lot bigger than what you think. What he saw for my future, I never dreamed that I would be meeting John Osteen in, in, in Tulsa. I never dreamed I'd be in meetings where I was taking care of Marilyn Hickey and, and all those people, the Copelands and all those people playing the piano. That was a big story. Nearly, nearly had a heart attack because they called on me to play the piano for all these speakers that were there for this big meeting that we're having at ORU. I'm telling you, I would have never been in those places except God had a big perspective. And I did whatever he told me. Just like that simple thing yesterday when he said, go tell David, have him do the offering. Look out, I'm liable to call you. You could be next. <laughs> be ready. Just say yes. Everybody say, just say yes. Just say yes. The reason I tell you the story today is not to anything about me, because I'm not there anymore. It was a season. It was a wonderful season. I was with all these people, the who's who of Christendom. But, but I knew, this is what I knew. God knew about me. I could have never ended up there. You don't know where God's going to have you end up. He doesn't know where your children are going to end up. I mean, you don't know. He does. And so it's very important. We take care of those things that God gives us. Keep his perspective about your children. Don't say those things over them. Don't, don't let them ever think there's one thing wrong with who God made them to be. Yeah. Now, their actions may not be right. Take care of it. Discipline. Everybody say discipline. discipline. See, when you get the word in front of you and you obey God, the Bible says set your, set your affections on things above, not things on the earth. You have to look at what God says, and that's what you do. You begin to hear the voice of God, and that's what you do. You don't sit there and say, well, you know, I don't know. I got three kids. Look, they're only five, seven, and nine. What do you want me to go to Tulsa by myself? I only know one person out there, one couple in the whole city. That's a big place. I don't think I could do that. I don't think I should do that. Everybody said, no, you shouldn't. But you say, God said. Everybody say, God said. And you discipline yourself. That's how you see something good. The reasons I've, this, that I've seen what I've seen as I looked over my 40 years, I just got so excited. I mean, I remember back when my kids were little, and I got a close, but he, I said, well, Lord, what am I going to do with these three kids now by myself? I'll go to Purdue. So I went over and talked to a guy at Purdue. Uh, he was a professor over there. And he was actually a psychologist. He was trying to help me. And I said, well, I think I know what I want to do. I want to go to college. He said, you're too old. And you have three kids. 
you can't do that. I said, but I want to be a counselor. I want to help people. He said, uh, that's going to take a long time to be this. You, you, you're just too old. So I never did it. But God did it. He made me a counselor. That was my job at ORU. Those poor medical students didn't know it. But I was supposed to encourage them and help them with their questions and things that happened. When, when I was there in that office, I remember one day this kid came in. He goes, my leg is really hurting. I don't know what's the matter with it. And, uh, and I, instantly I could see his leg. And I said, well, get over here. We're going to pray for it. He said, right now? I said, yes, we are. We're going to pray for it. And I prayed over his leg like I was some kind of spiritual giant. <laughs> and then he left. And then I start crying because I'm scared I can't have enough groceries to feed the kids that week. Everybody say, God is good. <laughs> Stand up with me. We're going to pray. <laughs> From God's perspective. Everybody say, do what God says. God sees big things for you. Mike, God sees big things for you. I don't care what the other people see. You got to take care of things and get them right. Because there's big things on the other side. That's all this is. See, tests are from God to promote you into position. But if you don't have God's perspective, you are going to jump out of that hard place. And once you jump out of that hard place, you are going to reap a harvest that you will not like. Because out there, God's trying to get your attention to get you back in that hard place. How many of you just volunteer for the hard place? That was a hard place that year in Tulsa with my three kids by myself. I cried every night. I thought I was having a nurse breakdown. But you know what? The crying was healing. God was healing my heart. What I thought was a nervous breakdown was God healing my heart. And when he got all done, I turned out okay. My sister's got pictures. If you don't believe me, after this message, ask Pastor Chris. She'd gladly show you my pictures. One time she got up in a meeting, introduced me like this. Listen, I slept with her in the same bedroom for 20 years. She is not the same person. This is nothing about her. This is God working through her. Would you welcome my sister? I'm thinking, (laughs) hallelujah. How many people get that intro? You know, God, but I'll tell you, I'll take it because it is not me who can help you. It is God who will never fail you. And he's going to take you places you never dreamed of. Because, everybody say this, something good good. is going to happen to me this very day.